This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we discuss what a scope clause is and why it's important for your career. But before we begin, a few announcements. If you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. It's also where you can find the scholarships guide that we talk about, career coaching, and also other various online courses. We're going to start putting some out as far as your resume and some new courses on how to actually prepare for an interview at an airline. So look for those coming up shortly. Uh, don't forget, if you're looking at the scholarships guide, to use the code PAYITFORWARD, all one word, through the generosity of many others, you've uh, received the scholarship guide for free when you use that code. It's awesome. Hey, if you want to make a difference in someone's life by giving away a free scholarships guide, there's a way that you can do this, and that's uh, by going out to our new Patreon account. Become a patron for only $1, as little as $1 a month. You can make a huge impact on someone's life and career. For every $10 we raise from our patrons on the podcast, we give away one scholarships guide. So go check it out. Please visit our patron, become a patron on our website and click on that there. Uh, also, I want to thank some of our uh, continuing patrons. Thank you to Brian Whitman, Shay Trotsky, and Kenyon, and Len for your support and paying it forward. Uh, we've added new coupon codes to the Pay It Forward campaign from those folks that generously gave. Uh, don't forget the current online scholarships guide has 79 new scholarships, four updates, and a new section for scholarships for adults. Don't forget to check it out at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships uh, or click on the scholarships tab. Also, another thing that we're starting to do, and I hope you're enjoying, is our new weekly updates. Uh, we haven't figured out what day we're putting them out, but about every Wednesday we're coming out with a new uh, update as far as a question of the week normally or some topic that people are really interested in discussing. We have things like, well, what's a furlough? What's recall? You know, Should I use a technically advanced aircraft to get my instrument rating? That's one that's coming out shortly. So please go out there and check it out on youtube.com slash expertaviation or just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com. Click on YouTube. It'll go right there. Don't forget to subscribe and click on the bell so you get notified every time there's a new video in there. Today's topic is going to be this. What is a scope clause? And we've talked a little bit about this as far as uh, scope. And uh, it's something that is really important for your career. This is basically, scope is this. What's a scope clause? It's within the contracts at most of the airlines, majors and regionals. It's a contractual obligation for the majors primarily, and it limits the number and size of airplanes that regional airlines can fly for them. So again, the scope is limiting the number and size. That's what we talk about scope, the number and the size of aircraft that the regionals can fly. We'll talk a little bit as to why that's important. First of all, there's this delineation that's happened over the years. It's quite interesting. We have a lot of 50-seat aircraft out there. And, and by the way, when you're looking at scope clauses, every airline has a different scope clause. So go check out some of the ones that are on the Internet and make sure you read whatever your scope clause is because that scope clause is going to that's going to actually affect your career quite a bit, especially during growth periods and also during downtimes. Uh, so the, the, and just think about this. 
And, and to give you an idea how important a scope clause is, it, it will define basically the percentage and also possibly the absolute number of regional airlines that can fly for a major. So, for instance, let's take, uh, say, Delta, for example. They have a certain number of aircraft and percentage that can actually fly for them. Now, don't quote me on that. They change these contracts all the time, and it's gonna, it could change uh, because of the trying times that we're having right now. But I will say this. If you take, say, for instance, I, I've done this, where uh, when I was working at the regionals and they had a flight that was a charter flight down to, say, Mexico City, and on that charter flight, they had about, oh, 100 people. Well, and that was in a 737. It was actually cheaper for them to when they actually had to return those passengers to bring them back on two regional jets instead of one 737. That almost doesn't make sense. But if you look at the reduced salaries and the reduced fuel burn on some of those jets on that short distance, it actually came out to be better for them. Uh, so 250-seat aircraft can replace a 100-seat aircraft. The, the, the costs actually sometimes do and don't work out. That all really depends. And by the way, if you hear that aircraft noise, that's a Robinson R-44 that's flying overhead, right center of Lakeland Airport here. I'm actually overlooking the runways 927 today. They've been taken off on runway 9 and uh, also on runway 5. Not a lot of activity right now, but there sure was a few hours ago. Starting to get a little breezy and eh, just some broken skies, but a beautiful day to fly. Almost every day is a beautiful day to fly. Getting back to our scope clauses, um, some airlines don't even limit the number of 50-seat aircraft. Uh, we talked about 50-seat and others. There's another delineation that you normally see. Again, these things change with contracts where you'll see a delineation that says, okay, the 51 to 76-seat aircraft, uh, the line between the majors and the regional starts getting a little fuzzier. And that's when you start to see these scope clause. Again, the clauses that define the size and number of regional airplanes that can be flown for a major. That's where you start seeing the major say, okay, wait a minute. Now we're going to have a lower percentage because these, these bigger planes are starting to look like some of our airplanes here at the major. I mean, we have some airplanes that are close to 100 seats. So now we're getting a little nervous because now, you know, those, those jobs are actually being taken away from us. Well, the reason that they do this, and that this is something that's kind of, it's up for debate as far as, you know, whether this helps with job protection, et cetera, uh, as far as the regionals are concerned. This protects the jobs of the major airline pilots as far as limiting the scope. Uh, one question I get quite often is, why do we even have a regional airline? Uh, so we have a regional airline primarily because those airlines can actually give feed to the major airlines and do, they usually do it a lot less expensively because the aircraft that they're using and the crews they're using are ex less expensive, uh, especially the crews. They're paid a lot less money than the majors. A lot of time it's half the amount of money. And here's something that's really interesting. It, it, and this is my view, by the way, and I'll give you my, my perspective on this. I think all airline pilots are airline pilots. It doesn't matter if you're flying a 50-seat or a 30-seater or a 300-seater. You're an airline pilot. And to, get, and to drive this home, if you remember years ago, a DC-3 pilot that was flying for TWA was, was considered a real airline pilot. Nowadays, that's just a small turboprop that nobody wants to fly. So think about that for a second. Think about how things have progressed and changed. You know, that is an airline pilot is an airline pilot. Uh, whether you're a major airline pilot, which uh, we can define by 
by having an airline that has, a, it can be financial, which you see that often used as a delineation, over a billion dollars as a major uh, airline. Well, there's a lot of regionals that are, actually some are bigger than some of the majors that are quote unquote out there. So this this is kind of interesting, isn't it? It kind of gets, it's, it gets a little, little bit fuzzy as far as, uh, you know, what is a major and what's a regional? Personally, I think they all should be the same. I think it all should be under one umbrella. But uh, if you look at it from a cost standpoint for the majors, uh, if you're on the finance side of things, it, it makes sense. And I'll tell you why. Another reason is that you can actually pit different regionals against each other as far as contracts are concerned. You can actually take a regional and go to the one that's a lot less expensive than another one that's out there, and you can change that contract. You say, hey, you know what? We're going to take the planes away from you, and we're going to give them to somebody else. Uh, I'm a great example of that. One of the reasons uh, I was furloughed for so long was that they took 64 airplanes away from the regional that I was flying for and gave it to another regional to work for the same airline that I was working for. Uh, And this happens often. You're seeing it right now. You see it happening in the industry. Uh, Some of the planes that I flew, I actually see the tail number sometimes on these aircrafts, and uh, I'll go see them at the airport flying for another airline. Um, And people said that would never happen, and it did. Uh, So it's quite interesting how they can shuffle planes um, some people call this whipsawing and all. Uh, it can happen. Uh, that can happen uh, where we actually use one pilot group against another. And that's, uh, that's something that, that they can do with some of these regionals is, uh, is pit other ones against each other. And, and during trying times, what happens? A lot of times it goes to the lowest bidder. But, uh, and here's something else that's an incredibly interesting dynamic within scope clauses. Remember I said that the scope clause will limit the size, and it also will limit the number of aircraft that they can use uh, for feed to a major airline. The majority of major airline pilots really, and this is going to help you, by the way, uh, when you start thinking about a little bit of uh, you know, silver lining around what's happening right now, the majority of air, major airline pilots do not want to fly a small airplane. I mean, for instance, you'll see people flying a 300-seat airplane that were flying a 150-seat airplane do not ever want to go back to flying a small 150-seat airplane. So during times like this where there's a downturn and people are taking leaves of absence and they're facing the fact that now they're instead of flying a 777, they're going to fly a 737, which is a lot less seats, they'll actually take a leave of absence because they don't want to go fly that smaller airplane. And that is actually a little bit of a silver lining for you if you're somebody that's starting out in this career. If you're somebody that's uh, also looking to get move up, it can actually help you also. So it's, it's interesting, but it's psychological. I mean, I'll give you a good example. Most major airline pods do not want to go back to fly for the regionals, and, uh, and they don't want to fly small airplanes. I know I tell this story quite a bit where, you know, when I was working as a furlough rep, I had people that were flying a jet that I had offered them jobs and got them jobs flying a turboprop, and they were unemployed and turned down a job flying because they were jet pilots. They weren't turboprop pilots. Um, you know, you're, you're a pilot, and an airplane is an airplane. The professionalism comes from the pilot, not from the airplane. Just remember that. And if you're not flying, you're not getting flight hours, and the next time there's a hiring cycle, you're going to miss out because you're not going to have hardly any flight time the people that actually decide to take those jobs, they're going to move forward. So uh, so just remember that I know that there's a lot of things called flowbacks to the regionals that they put in place. Every time there's a flow-through agreement that's actually put forth, uh, most of the time, I should say, it's during periods of 
you know, really great trajectory for the airlines and growth. And a lot of times when they're putting these together, the regionals won't think about, oh, you know, having a downturn in an industry because they think it could never turn around. But there's always something that happens. Uh, I'll give you an example, COVID, you know, COVID-19, you know, the, the coronavirus, this changed things. No one saw this coming, but there's always something that nobody sees that changes the industry. There's always something that's a catalyst for a downturn in our industry. And that's something you have to remember is that, you know, even though we are in great times or were in great times, that could change overnight. And it just did. And it's going to happen again 10, 20 years from now. And it's going to happen again 10, 20 years from then. So always when you're planning your career, remember these things. So when you're looking at an airplane, you say, no, I'm not going to fly that smaller airplane than you might want to think twice about that because, you know, you might get stuck on that smaller airplane and sometimes it's better to fly that smaller airplane than, than fly nothing at all. I do know, though, I will make this comment from another perspective, that a lot of major airline pilots are flying, say, a larger airplane. They've, they're closer to retirement. They're making a lot of money. They have a lot of money in the bank. And what they're doing is they're taking time off so that they can get somebody else in the cockpit and keep them in an airplane and keep them flying. I'm doing it. Next month, I'm taking uh, time off. I'm not flying for the whole month. Uh, it's called a reduced flying line. It's really a no-fly line where I get uh, paid a minimal amount and I'm not flying. But the great thing is I can concentrate on helping you out. Uh, with the career coaching and helping you out with putting out more videos and more classes like how to put together your resume, how to get ready for an interview at an airline because that's something that you're going to have to continually get ready for until you're in that job that you finally place as your forever job, which that can change too. So, uh, you know, you never know. Things can always change in life. But again, the, the scope clauses and why they're important because that actually defines uh, exactly how many regional airlines and airplanes can fly for the majors. Um, and there are clauses in any contract which uh, things can change. Uh, uh, force majeure, that's one of the things uh, that can change. In other words, if things change in the industry, if there's a, something that's unforeseen like a war or, a, or some kind of disease that causes the airlines to have an incredible reduction, uh, in staffing and in bookings, and that's something that's actually happening now. So some of those, there's some relief in those contracts as far as scope is concerned, and you might start seeing more being pushed down towards a regional. You know, I I had that happen the other, gosh, it was a few weeks ago. I was flying, and I fly an airplane that has between 150 and 200 seats, depending on the configuration, and it uh, we actually got pulled off the flight and we let another smaller airplane fly it because we, I think we only had like 60 passengers. We don't need a 200 passenger airplane to carry 60 passengers. So that's, uh, that's what happens. And that's why scope is so important. Uh, some airlines, they don't have regional airlines flying for them, or they possibly have like a really small regional, like the little turboprops flying. And a lot of people aren't really worried about the turboprops taking over their job the, the reason that you have scope clauses within the major airline pilots is primarily for job protections for those airline pilots that are there. And they don't want ha all these regional airlines taking over a lot of their flying because you see, you see it all the time. I mean, there's routes that were flown by a 737 that now are flown by a regional jet. Uh, so where's the delineation as far as a major airline pilot is concerned? I don't see one. 
I think we're all they're all pilots. They're all considered professional pilots. I think they all should be on one list, but that's my opinion. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I, gosh, anybody at a, a major airline, you know, especially in the finance department is going to argue with that, right? I mean, for the person's career, it's good, uh, but for the finance department, not quite so good because they can actually uh, push a lot of that flying down towards uh, the regionals and a lot less expensive. Uh, so anyway, I think this is really important to re- understand what scope is. That is the size. And it's also the number of aircraft that can be flown by the regional airlines for the major airline and their feed. Um, anyway, let's move on to, uh, uh, if you have any questions about that, by the way, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com if you have any questions about the scope. Let's turn over to, uh, yeah, we got time for a couple possibly questions from listeners. So let's start with this one. It says, uh, thank you for all you guys do. I wish material like this podcast was around 20 years ago. Have a host of things to go over, but have career counseling sessions scheduled, so I'll wait on the more personal stuff till then. A couple more generic questions. And by the way, I really uh, appreciate uh, some of these generic questions that you've placed in here. Uh, this is terrific. Helps people out. And I love that you're doing this. So number one, uh, it goes, uh, I heard you discuss the dangers of getting paid to fly without a commercial license in a previous episode. I'm wondering if it is an issue to accept and even request money from family and friends when taking them up for rides to offset the fuel and rental cost. I see this as a potential way to time build and have fun while making that period a little more affordable. Well, it's pretty well spelled out. You can share uh, some of the expenses as fuel, et cetera. But always, by the way, always refer the FARs because if they change between when I said this and when you're hearing it, uh, that's the most important thing. That's why I don't like to quote the FRS too much, uh, except obviously we're doing training, et cetera. But one of the things you need to do is, is look at what you're doing and make sure in the regulations it allows you to do that. Another thing you can do is join a club, actually to share the cost with others. And that's sharing the cost of the airplane, et cetera. But there's one thing you really can't do unless you're a commercial pilot and you're a commercial operation, pretty much. You can't hold yourself out and say to people, hey, I'm going to take you up for a ride. I can take you between here and the Bahamas and hire me. That's commercial operation. That's working as a commercial pilot. And be very careful. I know that even though you may not advertise that you can do that, you're still working as a commercial pilot. Also, if you're getting paid to fly somebody around, you're working as a commercial pilot. Say your friend says, hey, I want you to fly me from point A to point B. Terrific. Go ahead and do it. But if they want you to fly from point A to point B and they want to pay you to do it, you should go get your commercial license for that. Uh, There's some things as far as your business is concerned. You can use an airplane uh, if it's incidental to your business. For instance, you can actually write off mileage on a car just like you can write off mileage in an airplane. So think about that. Think about some things you might want to get involved with as far as possibly using that airplane as a write-off. And there's some things, and, and while I'm on this topic, there's a couple things that I really think you should do, especially during these downtimes. And I always tell people to go out there and, go, and try something like to get motivated. And the way you do that is volunteer your time. You can also volunteer your airplane. Get involved with the Pilots and Paws, uh, Veterans Airlift Command. There's lots of different things that you could do to help people. Angel Flight. There's so much you can do to help people to move them around and do it through a charitable basis. And you can actually use your aircraft as a donation. They're taking off right now as a uh, Baron, Beechcraft Baron. Beautiful plane, nice and fast. That's the kind of plane you want to build some hours in so you can get multi-engine time to 
go to the majors. Um, isn't this fun being out here on the runway? I wish I had video to watch, you know, so you could see what was taken off right here. Um, actually, maybe that's an idea. Maybe we should do a video uh, uh, question and answer in front of the airplanes. Did one before. I was wondering how you liked that one. But, yeah, as far as building time, there's many ways to do that. And uh, as far as sharing costs, be, be very careful. It's, it's a different ballgame. Like, you know, give you a good example. I mean, even in an automobile, as far as being a commercial operator, um, you know, there's, there's something that you have to watch as far as if you're holding yourself out uh, commercially operating. And in an airplane, it's very specific as far as what you can do. There's a couple things I know that look fuzzy in the regulations, but you can share the expenses. You know, fuel, oil, those type of things you can share. Uh, just be careful when you start getting into a situation where it could be a 135 or air taxi or on demand. Uh, we a lot of people like to operate a 134 and a half. We call it. <laughs> that's that's basically a 135. That's not legal. Don't do that. That's not really good. I mean, not good, not good for your career either. Uh, so just don't don't do it, Larry. You're holding it out. So make sure that you really are careful and you read the regulations. I read the current regulations because these things can change over time. I hope that helped with that question. Second question is: My wife is totally ignorant about the lifestyle slash quality of life and pay of a pilot. I've tried to explain some of this to her, but it would be helpful for you guys and maybe even your wives to come on to the show and talk about the good and the bad, both in regards to the early years as well as the later years. I'm working towards a career change, and I'm struggling to convince her how much better our lives will eventually be as well as how much more joy I'll have in life because I'm doing something I love. Again, thank you, and I look forward to your counseling call. Yeah, that's uh, – and I look forward, by the way, uh, to career counseling with anybody that is interested in these type of specific questions. Obviously, I can't go into very personal things that uh, he's asking, but that's a great idea, getting the wives on. As a matter of fact, or husbands on uh, and spouses and partners, I think it's really important to understand uh, whether – you are going to be somebody that's amenable to this career. It really is important. And, and you'll notice every time I do a, a coaching session, I talk about have you discussed this with your family. If you're single, obviously it's not a big deal. But have you talked about this career change? Are they supporting you in this career change in your life? Uh, when you're alone in college, single, it doesn't matter quite as much, but it really matters when you're you know, with your family. You, you want to make sure that they are on board with this. As far as in general, um, I will say it is a challenge for many spouses. I, I'm not sure I'm a great example of somebody. Maybe I just uh, for a long time didn't pick the right person that was uh, amenable to this type of career. I do now. Uh, but in the past, I maybe wound up dating quite a few different people because of the fact that um, as I got into this career and and people started wondering how much I was making and how much I'd be working. And they started saying, wait a minute, you're only making that much money and you're gone. How much? Yeah, we don't, this isn't going to work. So I've had that happen, believe me. Um, there's ways around that, and there's ways that you can talk about, hey, maybe we should live in base so that we're, I'm not away as much. And that's something that a lot of people are going towards. This is, it's interesting, though, with this career, it's, it's really changing in that manner. Uh, especially when you have less and less people that are coming out of the military, and even people coming out of the military, they don't want to have that lifestyle where they're away all the time. And that's great. I think that's cool that we're keeping the families together and closer uh, in and, and closer into the airport especially. So the longer you have to commute, the less you'll be home. That's period. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're somebody who's a computer consultant and you've got to drive two hours each way to work, um, boy, that's a lot of days out of your life. And, and I know there's some people here that do that. 
it's tough, uh, and you're not home very much. But the difference is you're home every night, whereas uh, as an airline pilot, a lot of times you go away, sometimes 10, 12 days at a time, especially if you're on reserve and you can't commute home on your one day off between trips. It gets better. It gets better. Um, I can't complain at all. I mean, I'm in a great situation, but it took me a long time to get here. Remember, in the beginning of my career, I moved all over the place. You know, living in Texas, working in Utah, you know, living in Texas, working in New Jersey, living in New Jersey, working in Texas. I mean, I've been back and forth quite a few times, and it is challenging. But I think one of the things that really is cool about this, I will, it's going to be hard for me to do, but I'm up for the challenge. I'm going to try to get together. I do know there's Facebook groups out there that are the the spouses of airline pilots and partners of airline pilots. Uh, remember, if you're somebody who's thinking about getting married to somebody who a, has a committed relationship, it's important that you bring those people into the conversation. This is something that we really need to have a discussion about. Uh, and they do. They have those online. There's different... Uh, it's interesting, though. I have seen some of the comments on some of these boards because I have friends that are on those and uh, on the you know the spousal boards as they call them. The and really, it's interesting what you'll hear from the pilot and what's repeated on the boards. And it may just be an opinion. It may not actually be anywhere near what's actually going on. So some and I see, I get it. The people are worried, etc. But you really need to understand how much people make in this career. They understand in the beginning it's hardly anything. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's towards the end is where you make make quite a bit of money. Uh, major airline pilot, you're going to be making 200000 a year as a captain. Um, as a regional airline pilot, you can make yeah, somewhere in $100,000, a little bit less as a regional airline captain. Uh, many people make more than that as a regional. So there's a little something to give you, but it really it takes some time. But you also have this great benefit of retirement. You have the great benefit of travel. You also can live wherever you want in the United States. Uh, I'm someone who lived between cities. People used to make fun of me because I would jump bases about every three to six months. I don't do that as much now. But I really enjoy that. Maybe I'll go back to it again. But who knows? That's my choice. I can do that whenever I want. See, that's what's so cool about the career. Uh, so the, so I am, I'm up for the challenge. It's going to take me a little while to get this together. I will start uh, reaching out to those groups that are the spouses of pilots and have maybe a quick group discussion, maybe a one-on-one, maybe somebody that runs the group. I will actually try as hard as I can to put that together. Give me a little while because it is going to be a bit of a challenge, especially right now during these trying times. But thanks again for the question, and uh, thanks for listening. This uh, this will bring us to the end, but I want to tell you that I, I'd like you to go check out our YouTube channel and let me know what you think about that as far as me talking directly to you. I love talking uh, to you at the end into the camera because I feel like I'm right next to you. I know you listen to me on out at the sea. I know there are a lot of people out at sea right now in the military, also on the cruise ships, et cetera, and people that are in other countries uh, that don't have quite the uh, Internet connection, and it's easier for you to get this right here, the podcast, than it is for you to get a YouTube video. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to make the YouTube video short, like 7, 10, 15 minutes, so that it's a little bit easier for you to actually stream wherever you are uh, in the country or in the world. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, click on YouTube off aviationcareerspodcast.com. And most importantly, whether, you know, all the things we've talked about is find out more about these different things that we've discussed. For instance, Scope Clause, go check out at the bottom of the blog post here. And you can look at it if on your device, too. You can click on it. Uh, there's a link to, say, a Wikipedia article that talks about it. Um, there's also uh, some other links 
that show you where some of the contracts are as far as you know what scope is and what type of scope they have. Uh, actually, that Wikipedia article has some good information at the bottom about scope. There's another part in there, though, that's more opinionated. There's some question marks as to uh, this is really job protection. Some people argue that this really isn't job protection for the, for the majors uh, as far as scope clause is concerned. Uh, you know, I'm of that that feeling that yeah everybody should be on the same seniority list from the regional to the major you know I was part of that and then they split it off you know when I was at Continental Express uh, and they split that off and that was kind of interesting so you know look at look at some of the opinions out there about scope and also try to get an understanding but it's that simple it's just how the major airline contracts they take the size and the number of aircraft and they limit how many people and how many airplanes can fly for that regional airline and also the size. Well, this is a good ending right here. We've got a Cessna 172 going by. Just did a touch and go. What a wonderful day to fly. And I want you to do something for me right now. After you stop this audio, I want you to either think, email, call. I want you to write down. I want you to get online, order <laughs> whatever it is I talked about, research, look at the links, but most importantly, I know this is tough times and it's hard to keep motivated, but the way you do that is accomplish something simple. And I want you to move forward by taking one step today and move forward in your career. Make it a small step. It doesn't have to be a large one. Another thing I want you to do is this. I want you to think about volunteering. You know, in trying times, I think it's important to volunteer. Volunteering and volunteerism is incredibly important. It helps us. It helps our souls. It also helps us realize how blessed we are and how fortunate we are to be where we are today. And that no matter what, there's always somebody that's in a worse situation than we are. And we can persevere through this that we're going through right now, just like all the other downturns that we've had in the industry. But make sure you do something today to move forward in your career. Well, guys, this is Carl Valeri, Aviation Careers Podcast. And I want to tell you that I really appreciate what you've done by writing into us. So please do. Please keep it up at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Take that one step today. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.